Good evening and welcome to the EFL Review with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. Another weekend has passed, the first one in September, where on earth did the summer go? Nevertheless, we've got plenty of matches for us to get into here on game week five of all of the EFL fixtures. As always, you can expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week. So, just like we do every other week, we will start with the Championship and we'll start with the lunchtime games. Birmingham City 1, Millwall 1. A second half equaliser by none other than Jay Stansfield maintained Birmingham's uh, unbeaten start in the Championship as they shared the points with Millwall. The Fulham Loney scored his second goal in two Blues appearances, eight minutes after the break. That had cancelled out Kevin Nisbet's early free kick as the Scotland striker grabbed his second Lions goal. Birmingham missed a penalty in first-half injury time as Scott Hogan's effort was saved by Matthias Sarkic. The draw stopped the Blues from securing a fourth straight championship win for the first time since October 2018, but they have an impressive 11 points from five games. They had included deadline day arrival Cody Dramer following his lone switch from Leeds, but they were behind within six minutes at St Andrews, but were able to turn it around in impressive style. Speaking of impressive style, Sunderland 5, Southampton 0. Sunderland blew away informed Southampton to kickstart their championship season in emphatic fashion at a raucous Stadium of Light. The Saints had won three and drawn one of their opening four games, but never recovered once Jack Clark stooped to head in the home side in front in the first minute from a beautiful curling cross by Trey Hume. The lead was doubled six minutes later when Pierre Equa took a pass on the edge of the box, was not closed down and drilled a low shot which was deflected beyond a sprawling Gavin Bazunu by Flynn Downs. Equa hammered in the Black Cats third just before half-time, cutting out a Mason Holgate pass and a curling shot beyond Bazunu at his near post. Bradley Dack put the game beyond any doubt when he tucked in Abdullah Barr's cross from close range just after the break. Teenager Chris Rigg capped a dominant second league win of the season with a cool header in injury time, dispatching a teasing Jewess and Bennett cross with ease. We'll have our first interview of tonight, and I think it's only appropriate that we listen to Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray. Tony, five goals, clean sheet, quite the performance today. Yeah, it was good. We started obviously very, very well. We've, we've talked a lot about shooting from outside the box and um, and. and particularly against this opposition playing on the transition because we knew excuse me we knew they were going to come and try and have a lot of the ball and frustrate the crowd I thought we got the balance just right really had enough men behind the ball when they had plenty of it and pushed us back but then with the transition the breaking away in the wide areas with Abdullah and with Jack was was exceptionally good today Pierre obviously joining Dan Neil joining Dak joining um yeah, we worked hard this week on the game plan and um, because we knew we were playing against a football team that would give us some problems and have lots of the ball. But um, the plan worked really well and um, great credit to them. Great credit to the lads who came on the pitch as well. You know, sometimes when, you, when you're when winning 3-0 at half-time, was it, it's, it's um, difficult to, to keep the intensity going and yet I thought they, they managed the game really, really well. I reminded them of Burnley at home last year, 2-0 at half-time and losing 4-2 and... Um, but I thought their concentration and their their focus was really good today. Plenty to pick out from that game, but let's start with Pierre Equois, who, you know, found his finishing touch today. Yes, and Pierre's a wonderful footballer. He, he just needs reminding every day, really, about intensity, and um, and that's not necessarily his fault. He played, he's played 
practically all of his football outside of men's football and played for 21s in age group and um, so he's maybe played 10 or a dozen games in his life for us and um, and he's growing very very quick he's you know he's six foot two he's got amazing left foot he's strong as an ox he can do most things and as he showed he can shoot and hit targets rather than you know blaze it over the top he, he's pretty accurate with that left foot and um, delighted for him today he was obviously a bit annoyed that he didn't get man of the match I think he can't believe Jack Clark got it but um, no listen he's a wonderful kid and um, yeah that's you know we, we, we're glad he's here and working hard for us a moment to treasure right at the very end there for, yeah. for Chris Rigg it almost felt like one of those days but great credit to him yeah, listen, Jewison Bennett deserves some credit as well. You know, he's, he's Jewison's had a tough time of things, really. He hasn't really been at the breakdown, Jack Clark, and get more game time on the pitch because Jack's such an important player for us. Um, but when he came on today, you know, he was a little wizard with that ball and jinking past people and then a great ball into the box and, and you know, Rig, well... Um, you know, it's a, a, a string to his bow, really, the fact that he can leap and power headers in at the back stick. It's... Um, He's a wonderful footballer. You know, we watch him every day in training. We're a bit worried that he doesn't kick too many of our players because he he doesn't show too much respect to all the senior players when he just gets stuck in and wants to win every five aside and every little game we play. So he's a wonderful kid, and you know, it's a, it's obviously the first of many many goals. Hopefully, he'll score for this club as his career moves forward. Does it feel like today was one of those performances that's been coming, you know, from these early games of the early part of the season? Yeah, undoubtedly. I, I genuinely feel the performance level of the team has been pretty high. You know, we've you know, the Ipswich game out of your opening day we had twenty shots on target and sixty eight percent possession and found a way to lose. Really we need to be more clinical and yet today we were really clinical and um that's all that was missing. That's why I, 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 I mourn about we need we need front players, we need strikers and yet I'll probably um how do I get them in the team after we've scored five without them, really? You know what I mean? But it's it's really good that the club have invested in in some really young talent. You know, Mason Burstow is is an exciting prospect, and and the young um, Ukrainian Ruskin looks like a real good, exciting ball traveller with speed and can score goals. And and you know, um, Eliza, the young boy who was only eighteen from France as well, he, he's he's going to be fitting a few. We were going to be overloaded with strikers, and we we're going to be trying to get him on the pitch, but. They'll sat and watch that today and think, oh, I'm going to have to work hard to get in the team, which is good, which is what every successful football team has. It has competition for places. And, um, yeah, it, we're sitting in a good good place at the moment after today's result. And now to the international break, where I'm sure there'll be lots to sink our teeth into. Well, some of the lads are going away, of course, to play football for their age groups. And... Um, We'll give we'll give the, the, the there's a game tomorrow for some of them uh, against Manchester United at, at Appleton. But um, after that, we'll give them a couple of days off. Then we'll train hard next week, um, and then we'll give them a long weekend. But then we into the next game, and um, yeah, we just have to keep pushing on. You know, let's not get as we weren't getting carried away by a start that had two defeats. You know, Ipswich and Preston, because I thought in both games we were pretty dominant, but. Um, um, we shouldn't get carried away today with this result as well. It's a long slog and um, we just have to keep trying to do the right things and keep trying to improve the players and keep making sure that they're emotionally are in the right place to, to play for these fans and um, and turn up at, at home and away every game. And, and, and whether we win, lose or draw, the people who come and watch and pay their hard-earned money know that they've got a team fighting for the red and white shirt. Swansea City 1, Bristol City Two, Bristol City recovered from a goal down to win convincingly at Swansea and leave the home side still searching for their first championship victory of the season. 
Despite being completely outplayed in the first half, the Swans led as Liam Cullen finished neatly after Charlie Patino's excellent through ball. After having three goals disallowed and missing a host of chances, Bristol City eventually equalised early in the second half as Mark Sykes cut in from the right and fired in. Sykes then set up Sam Bell with a pinpoint low cross to put the visitors ahead, and although Ben Cabango headed against a post, the Swans were well beaten. The margin of victory did not reflect the golfing class between the sides, with Swansea rarely troubling their opponents. Whereas Swans head coach Michael Duff will be disheartened at this, uh, his side remains winless in the league since he took charge in the summer, Bristol City boss Nigel Pearson for once can actually be pleased and take great encouragement from his side's performance at the Swansea.com stadium. Coventry City 3, Watford 3. Milieto Rajevic's double on his first Watford start was not enough to clinch victory as Coventry fought back three times to share the points in a thriller at the CBS Arena. The Danish striker put the Hornets ahead 15 minutes after Daniel Buckman had saved Matty Godden's penalty at the other end. Milan Vijic levelled before half-time with a superb free kick but Udinese Loney Matthias Martins restored the visitors' advantage. Backman's error led to a Wesley Hoot own goal that made it 2-all, but Rajevic scored his second, only for Godden to equalise once again for Coventry three minutes from time. Watford had begun well and might have snatched an early lead when Imran Loser capitalised on a slip by goalkeeper Ben Wilson to set up Tom Ince, but his curling effort flew wide. At the other end, Buckman maintained parity, flinging himself to his right to push away Godden's spot kick after Ryan Porteous was adjudged to have handled the Jade Silver Cross. It was the visitors who broke the deadlock ten minutes before the interval, with Ince evolved once again, as he collected Ken Semmer's pass and set up Rajevic, recently signed from Swedish club Kalmar, to fire into the roof of the net. The Hornets' lead last or lead lasted only six minutes as Coventry won a free kick 25 yards out, and Vojvodic stepped up to hammer it emphatically into the bottom left-hand corner. But they were back in front in the 52nd minute when Martins produced a skillful run on the left and his work uh, worked his way past two defenders before curling a classy finish beyond Wilson. The Sky Blues keeper was at full stretch to, pronoun- uh, to prevent Loser from making it 3-1 soon afterwards but Backman then went from hero to villain, as Hoot's back pass trickled beyond him to gift the home side their second equaliser. Watford responded with a raft of substitutions, and one of them, Vakun Bio, broke to set up Radjevic for his second goal, a close-range finish 11 minutes from time. It looked as if it would be enough to clinch a first win in four games for Valerian Ishmael's side, but the impressive Hadji Wright had other ideas, bursting down the right and setting up Gordon to slam home and make it 3 all. Coventry's third consecutive draw now leaves them 14th in the table, a point and four places above Watford going into the international break. Ipswich Town 3, Cardiff City 2. Ipswich's eye-catching return to the Championship continued as Freddie Ladapo's second-half double helped them fight back from 2-0 down to claim victory over Cardiff. Welsh captain Aaron Ramsey's cool first-time finish gave Cardiff the lead at the break and they doubled the advantage early in the second half, thanks to Joe Rawls's precise shot. The Bluebirds had impressed up until that point and looked well-placed to claim a first away league win under Errol Bullet. But Nathan Broadhead's fine strike breathed life into the home side and they quickly drew level through Ladapo's close-range finish. The winner arrived 12 minutes from time, when Cardiff goalkeeper Alex Runarsson blocked across only for the ball to hit Ladapo and bounce over the line. 
the Tractor Boys' somewhat unlikely revival gave them a fourth win in five league games since they returned to the second tier after four years in League One. Kieran McKenna's team are now up to second in the early season league table, while Cardiff dropped to 19th, having only won one of their first five league matches. With that in mind, let's listen to Ipswich Town boss Kieran McKenna. Kieran, what a game. I mean, where do you start? Yeah, it's um, it was another thriller. Uh, we said we'd try and give the team, uh, give the, the supporters, you know, some entertainment and a team to be proud of. We won't give up. And yeah, we lived up to that today. It's a... Yeah, it was a tough game. Um, wasn't happy with the, the the goal that we gave away in the first half because I thought we, we showed a really lack of concentration in the moment. Um, having said that, it's you know you see the quality of the Cardiff side today. You see the quality of the forwards. Um, you know you know you you're um, they're going to have their moments, but overall, so pleased with the spirit, so pleased with the quality. Um, to come back from behind again, to show the resilience again, to keep playing our way again. And also for the subs to want to have such a big impact, it's it's such a big win for the for the squad as a whole. The message at half time, what was it, and then also how much did that change when Cardiff got second? Um, it didn't change much. Look, I thought it was um, it's, it's a big learning game for us, and um, I want to enjoy the win, so I'm not going to pick at all the all the, the negatives. But it's a big learning game, as every game is for us in this league. So today was the first time. I'd say a team have come and showed us the respect to play a low block mm-hmm. and to you know sit with you know eleven men behind the ball whenever we had the ball in their half and defend super super compact and I thought we were doing okay we were you know working hard to break it down controlling the game well um, we were only a yard off from scoring in that first twenty five minutes but I thought in the goal and the build up to the goal we we lacked the concentration to know that even though it feels like we're in big control of the game they have excellent players and can score at any moment and if we switch off then it becomes a much much harder game so um, we spoke about that at half time about the concentration um, you know that we didn't have in that moment and other than that attacking wise we I didn't feel like we were ever far away Mm -hmm. Um, we you know just changed a few little details positionally got another body in between the lines um, and and changed a few little bits on our structure but other than that I didn't think we were far away it's you know the common defender with 11 behind the ball you're going to have to be patient work the ball well um, and they're going to get tired at the end and if we keep doing the right thing the goals will come so we need to stick with it at them moments we need the crowd to stick with us in them moments because you know we can't we can't force things and play too quickly into the opposition traps we need to trust that it's going to be hard for the, to defend us for 90 minutes so mm. yeah lots to learn a completely different type of game probably than what we've had in any of the games in the championship so far and um, lessons to take but at the moment I just want I just want them to enjoy it I mean you spoke about the impact of the substitutes what in particular did you like I mean it goes without saying that Freddie comes on and scores two goals which is great to see yeah, of course, Freddie coming on in, you know, earlier than you expected to shows mm. his, his professionalism to, to be ready and a great lesson for everyone in the squad. Um, so him coming on and, and playing well as well as, as getting the two goals. Um, and then, yeah, just when I thought we'd, you know, we'd wrestled the momentum and the scoreline but started to really tire. And then the, the three boys who came on at the same time, I think Brandon, Omari and, and Jack, you know, give us exactly what we need in that moment. There's three players still finding their way into the into the squad and into the team and into the flow of how we do things. But um, I think coming on today showed the you know the qualities that they'll bring us and, and had a massive difference in the flow of the game. And then of course Lee Evans getting his first minutes as well is important yeah. because you know again it's everybody's going to be needed. Everyone has to stay ready and um, comes on an important moment, wins a couple of tackles and helps to see the game out. So yeah, a great uh, a great win for the squad.
And then when the game stretches like that, does that just show the physical um, tempo and quality of this division? I mean, there were tired legs on both sides. Sam was pretty much limping off at the end. I mean, unbelievable shift. Yeah, I think everyone, um, you know, it, it took that in the second half and the game opened up a little mm. bit. And, um, yeah, uh, we have to be really fit. I think we are fit. We're, you know, we're pushing. Um, but we're going to have to push to, you know, extreme levels because there's, you know, really, really good teams we're facing every week. We've got, you know, much more experience and, um, you know, on paper, maybe pedigree than us. But I trust our individual players. I trust how much they're improving and I trust our team. So, um, yeah, it's going to be hard every week. We're going to have to go to the limits um, and that's why we're going to need the squad. But I'm enjoying uh, I'm enjoying seeing those efforts and enjoying seeing the, the boys give what they're giving. And I hope the supporters um, appreciate it as well, just in the way that the boys um, really appreciate the, the supporters. Um, Sticking with us and, and helping you know squeeze that ball into the net second half. You'll highlight the qualities and, and how everyone contributed, but one moment I saw late on was Amari putting in that block. That block. And what does that say about a young lad on loan? It's important that everyone buys into this product and the, the message that we always want to deliver, isn't it? Massive. Um, he's had a couple of them lately. You know, we spoke to him after the um, the Leeds game. He came on, made a couple of tackles, and. Um, a couple of good ones the other night and you know they make a big big difference you know it's one of the main things we're speaking to him about you know it's um it's so important the difference between academy football to men's football yeah. and to you know um competing for the points them little things are what make the difference in winning matches it's it's the second ball it's the extra yard to make the tackle it's what wins your matches it's also what endears you to your teammates is what endears you to the crowd and it's part of becoming a proper footballer and, and we're enjoying going through that process with him. I think he's he's obviously a great talent, great kid and we're enjoying going through that process with him but again I must say he's, he's in a wonderful club to do it in that dressing room with the professionalism and um, the passion that the, the boys go about their work. It's mm. a great um, environment for any young player to to come into and, and learn what a you know a high functioning team and group should look like. Just a quick final one, you said that this was the first checkpoint in the season, if you call it that, with the international break, five games in, how do you assess it? Into the league same season, sorry. Yes, it's been fun, um, been a big challenge, uh, this, yeah, I think this, there was no doubts for me whatsoever, but hopefully the supporters see the size of the step up, it's a big step up, there's a big step up from League One, the championship, the calibre of the players and the teams is, is much higher. So we're at absolute full stretch to compete um, and we've had a good start, we're performing well in a lot of things, there's things that we can improve but I feel like we're learning from every game and um, I feel like we'll learn again from today so um, yeah it's a good start performance wise, of course nice to have points on the board which is important for a newly promoted team mm -hmm. and um, now we can get some work on the training pitch next week's important, a little bit of rest next weekend and look forward to a, a really intense block of games coming up. Thank you Karen. Thank you. Leeds United nil, Sheffield Wednesday nil. Sheffield Wednesday finally ended their wait for a championship point on their return to the second tier, frustrating Yorkshire rivals Leeds in an Ellen Road stalemate. Daniel Fark's side have not quite hit the heights either so far this season, but they are up teen chances to pick up just a second win against a gutsy Wednesday. August signing Joel Perroy almost added to his Leeds tally, but dragged an effort wide as Leeds looked to stamp their authority on the game. Davis Vasquez in the Owls goal made a crucial save from Jorginho Rutter, while Crescencio Somerville caused problems with his dynamic running, and Wilfred Nonto was also denied a penalty. 
Josh Windass had the best of Wednesday's chances throughout, but could not find the back of the net, while Callum Patterson also had opportunities, but it was the defensive effort that was most important, as Zisco Minoz's side finally got off the mark. Leicester City nil, Hull City one. Hull won at Leicester to end the Foxes' 100% start to the new season. Liam Delap put the Tigers in front in the 15th minute, when he cut inside from the right and found the bottom left-hand corner with a left-footed strike, which took a deflection off defender Yannick Vestergaard. The hosts were wayward with their shooting, but rallied after the break as debutant Abdul Fatawu rattled the foot of the post, fellow substitute Cesar Kazadai fired wide from eight yards, and Jamie Vardy headed narrowly off target. A first defeat for Leicester since Enzo Maresca took charge his, this summer, following relegation from the Premier League, saw them drop off the top of the championship table and now down to third, while Hull climbed to sixth after extending their unbeaten run to four league games. Plymouth Argyle 3, Blackburn Rovers 0. Goals from Finnazaz, Ryan Hardy and Luke Cundle saw off Blackburn as Plymouth secured their first championship win since the opening day of the campaign. Azaz, on a season-long loan from Aston Villa, gave Argyle the lead with a deflected first-half shot that beat Ainsley Pears. Rovers squandered several opportunities before the home side sealed the points with two late goals in quick succession. Hardy snapped up the rebound after Callum Wright's effort was parried, and Luke Cundall lobbied in Argyle's third after Pears failed to deal with the long clearance. Blackburn, who arrived at home park on the back of an 8-0 midweek thrashing of Harrogate Town in the EFL Cup, which we covered exclusively, of course in the Carabao Cup 7-round review last week, looked lively once again and might have easily scored twice throughout the game. Middlesbrough nil, Queen's Park Rangers 2. Middlesbrough boss Michael Carrick hopes to reboot his side over the international break after a home defeat by QPR, meant the Teesiders dropped to the bottom of the championship. Goals in either half from Andre Dozel, his first goal in almost four years, and Jack Colback gave the West Londoners a 2-0 win at the Riverside. Borough, beaten in the playoff semi-finals last season of course, have picked up one point from their opening five games, making it the worst start for the club uh, for a club campaign in their history. Maybe this break has come at a time where we do have a fresh start and do things that we know we are capable of doing, former Man United and England midfielder Michael Carrick told BBC Tees. Carrick had transformed Middlesbrough's fortunes after taking charge last October, guiding the side from 21st in the table to a 4th place finish. But after Tuba Akpom was sold to Ajax and Cameron Archer returned to his parent club over the summer, and of course moving on to Sheffield United in the Premier League now, a lack of cutting edge in front of goal has been all too prevalent so far this season. Their total of three goals is the lowest in the division. It proved to be their undoing once again against QPR, with Emmanuel Latte Lath failing to take advantage of several opportunities, and visiting keeper Asmir Begovic was in inspired form. However, Carrick is still encouraged by his side's potential, despite defeats against Millwall, Coventry, West Brom and now QPR, with their solitary points coming from a draw with Huddersfield. But we'll not focus on Michael Carrick anymore, instead we'll have another interview, and I think we'll have it with QPR boss Gareth Ainsworth. You said before the game that the next win was just around the corner. What did you mean by that? (laughs) That... So, so pleased today, honestly. Um, we, we have deserved this, and it, it's not, I can't say it's not been coming. Um, yeah, no business in the transfer market, no business yesterday, but I told the boys, I said, we're a team. I don't need to do any more business. 
if we can or we can't, it doesn't matter. This is a team and come with me because we're going to go places. And that performance was the same as Ipswich, the same as Southampton, but we got what we deserved today. We really did. And, and for those over in that corner, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Keep Your fans, because you really got us over the line today. The lads were superb. Changes, young lads coming on, academy products on the bench. I mean, I'm really, really proud. And it's not been easy, believe me, it's not been easy. But I'm hoping, I'm really hoping people see what we're playing. We're trying to play, we're trying to do a different style. We're trying to be difficult to beat. Losing Cookie just before half-time was a big blow. But, you know, when I'm taking players off, it's a compliment to go, you've given everything, thank you. I'm not having to change because it's going wrong. I'm having to change because they're not giving, they're, they're, they've given everything. They've emptied the tank again. You know, it's been an emotional week again because I felt so bad for the boys. They deserved so much out of last week and didn't get anything. And, you know, with, with all the window going on, with all the rumours, with everything going on, I've kept this squad together and I'm telling your players, your, your big players, I'm saying stay with us because we'll achieve. You don't need to go elsewhere to achieve. We'll achieve. And performances like that will achieve. You use the phrase hard to beat. How satisfying is it to achieve net zero and keep that clean sheet? <laughs> well, you know, the game against Ipswich, you know, there's a, there's a snapshot from Chaplin, almost got it. Norwich at home, you know, last minute. Last week, probably a 1-1, yeah, definitely, but maybe something else. But today, that, that resilience that those boys have showed. Jake Clark's also coming on, and, and you know, the, the trust is there. Stevie Duke McKenna, Ziad making his first minutes, you know. Paul Smith learning the wing-back role. All these things are coming too, you know, and I'm really pleased. And then Ryan Collier, I've got, you know, I've got players like Albert, Charlie Kalman, and Elijah didn't get on today, you know, on the bench. And... and and hopefully they'll get some minutes, you know, soon. But I trust them all, and, and that's really important. The boys have got to believe. I did a little graph before the, uh, just before we came out in the dressing room. Um, not a big graph, because there wasn't much time, but a little graph, a couple of lines, and said, this is where we're going, this is us. And you've got to believe, you've got to stay with this, you know, and, and believe in what we're doing. And uh, I'm so pleased, and I'm so pleased for the owners who've backed me. You know, um, me and Lee have had a hell of a transfer window trying to get things in and trying to think things done, but it's paid off, you know, and, uh, and hopefully everyone will recover now going into the next two weeks on the back of a win. And against Sunderland, who've had a magnificent win today, we've got to be at our best because that's going to be a tough game, but um, it's going to be a nice journey home. That, that could have been a long one today, but uh, I'm really proud and pleased that the boys have, uh, have made it easy for me. Andre Dezel got his first Rangers goal today. More than that... What was his all-round performance like until he went off? Listen, um, <clears throat> I think people have got to realise now this is a new era, this is a new thing with QPR. And reset what you thought about any players before this and, and start judging them on from now because I've seen potential in some of these boys, you know, and Andre Dizel has performed unbelievably since, since I came in. Didn't really feature too much last year. I had to stay up, I had to find a way and a combination of doing that. This season, Andre is really... And, and, uh, and Jack Corbeck's fit now. And Andre was probably thinking, when he's fit, I'm coming out of midfield. No way, Andre. You've, you've pushed him up one. He's playing that 10 role fantastically well. And what a goal. What a goal, by the way. I've never hit one like that myself. But maybe one. Rushton and Diamonds. <laughs> but not off the post and into... That was brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased for Andre. But I'm really pleased for everyone. I don't want to pick any individuals out because we are a team and we're a team that is going to achieve if we keep doing the right things and keep playing like that. Outstanding boys, thank you. What a happy man he seems to be. Rotherham United 2, Norwich City 
one. Rotherham United pulled off a shock result in the day in the championship to end Norwich's unbeaten start to the season. The game was billed as the meeting of the division's leakiest defence and their most prolific attacking team, but first half goals from Dexter Lembiska and former Canary striker Jordan Hugill put the Yorkshire side in control. Norwich rallied in the second half and replied through Christian Fasnacht, but the home side held on for their first win of the campaign. Stoke City nil, Preston North End 2. Will Keane's second half double helped Preston win at Stoke to make it four championship wins on the bounce and send them top of the championship. The summer signing from Wigan took his tally to four for the season after two assists by half-time substitutes Duane Holmes following a tight first period. Stoke's defeat was their first at the Bet365 this season, after four straight victories. A hard-fought first half was short on chances, Preston going closest from a frantic scramble after Andrew Hughes had robbed Kiani Hoover and fired the ball into a packed goalmouth. The stalemate was broken by half-time, replacement of Mads Frockyar by US international Duane Holmes, who made an instant impact. A minute after the restart, Holmes made a smart run down the channel and teed up Keane for a chance that the Preston top scorer fired wide. Four minutes later, Holmes skipped past Wutterberger and was brought down. Keane smashed his spot kick straight down the middle of the goal before celebrating with the away fans behind that net. Preston wrapped up the win on 57 minutes as Holmes got the better of Ben Wilmot from a cute Brad Potts pass and laid the ball into the path of Keane for his second. Stoke fought to get back in the match, but Freddie Woodman denied Tyrese Campbell from their best opportunity. And finally, West Bromwich Albion 1, Huddersfield Town 2. Neil Warnock's Huddersfield stunned Carlos Corberon's West Brom with an injury time winner as the Terriers gave the perfect response to last Saturday's 4-0 home battering by Norwich. Jack Radoni struck in the 96th minute with a well-struck low left-footed shot that sneaked inside the right post. That earned the Terriers their first win of the season, and it also put an end to Albion's 100% home start. Huddersfield had taken the lead on 33 minutes with a goal from Delano Bergzog, on his full Terriers debut, only for John Swift to level on 52 minutes, with his third goal in successive home games this season. But, just after Albion's substitute Josh Meyer had gone close to winning the game at one end, Huddersfield went down the other end. Radoni kept his cool to complete a classic smash-and-grab against Corporon's old club in true Neil Warnock style. In response to Huddersfield owner Kevin Nagel labelling last Saturday's 4-0 home defeat by Norwich as unacceptable, disappointed veteran Terriers boss Warnock made four alterations as well as deploying a shape that was similar to 3-5-2. On top of new midfield signing Ben Wiles making his debut following his arrival from Rotherham United, Bergzog, David Casamu and Jaheim Headley all came in for their first league starts of the season. So, we will have another interview now. I feel like it's only appropriate given all of the potential backlash that was received uh, by Huddersfield this, uh, this week. Let's listen to their boss, Neil Warnock. Gaffer, that was uh, an outstanding day out in West Brom. Uh, what were your feelings like at full time? Oh, what a jubilation, really. Because this season we've had such so many kicks in the teeth, haven't we? With you know the Leicester goal, and you know I thought we I, just, I thought we'd come into the the Plymouth game well. I thought we started the Norwich game well and ended up there, you know. So I was pleased. I was really pleased. I thought we put some a good, you know, we, we counterattacked very well today. We could have had two or three goals. Disappointed with a disallowed goal, if I'm honest. I don't think 
I don't think that's a, uh, a push too severe anyhow, put it that way. And I asked him at half-time as we were coming off, would he give a penalty if he saw that shove, that shove in the box? And he said no. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but all credit to the lads. And, you know, Lee made a good save, and then we went straight down the other end as well. So it's a good team game today. And it, a lot of lads, I made a lot of decisions today, and um, it, that's why it's nice when they come off. Uh, I just felt we needed to go down this way a little bit and have two strikers and give Dell a game and took his goal well, didn't he? I think um, team game sums it up perfectly. Those boys out there run their blood to water and they deserve that winner at the end. I think they, their celebrations, the way they were with the supporters at the end, proved yeah. just how much it meant to them. And, and to see, it's lovely to see Jack score. He's such a lovely lad. Him. I thought him and Ben Wiles today were outstanding. Hoggy behind him, excellent. So, you know, they, ca they can't give any more than that. They'll only get better when Ben gets some fitness in him. Um, but Jack was there today. You know, he could have scored three, two or three today. Uh, and that's what I want him to do. You know, he's got the energy. So I think we've got the, 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 the ammunition to, to give him opportunities like that, him and Ben. Um, you know, Ben had a shot in the first half. He said it was on target, but I said it, it wouldn't have reached <laughs> with his left foot. So, uh, but I'm sure they'll get better. We talked a lot about belief at the tail in the last season, and this reminds me of being stood at, at Millwall a little bit because it's just before an international break, as that was. Mm. A little bit more belief in them that you can't ever fault the lads' effort, but they believed in themselves today, and they'll they'll fly after this a little bit, won't they? They, they believe absolutely. I mean, I said to him in there, everybody's got us down for relegation. You know, the fans have been absolutely brilliant with us, and. You know, we can go places, and at home, we, you know, if we, st we stop the mistakes, which no mistakes today, uh, stop them mistakes and we've got a great chance because we'll create chances. Um, we've got some good attacking players. You've got, you know, I thought Helic was outstanding as well today. So it, it's a really massive plus for us, especially with two weeks off. And, uh, you know, it's, it'll be nice. You know, I think we, you know, we've had criticism over the past couple of weeks, but I don't think we deserved it. I think they'll have just got on with it, working hard, and that's all you can expect. I think our fans know that. And uh, if, if they see us working hard like that, they'll forgive us and, and when we do have a blip. Uh, and I'll thank again, once again, thanks to the fans today. Good old Neil Warnock, eh? Right, let's take a look at the championship table. And as we've already mentioned, we have a new leader. And that is in perennial at mid-table finishes. Preston North End, 13 points from a possible 15 after only five games. Very, very impressive. Two teams on 12 points, separated by one goal difference. Second place, Sips, Itswich Town. Third, we find Leicester City. The remainder of the playoffs are taken up by Birmingham City on 11 points, Norwich and Hull on 10, and Southampton just outside the playoffs, uh, despite having 10 points but a minus two goal difference following their absolute battering by Sunderland. At the wrong end of the table, two team, well, three teams are yet to pick up a win. They are Swansea City with two points, Sheffield Wednesday and Middlesbrough with one apiece. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. 
Okay, once again, I've talked about the Championship for far too long, and so we don't have really enough time to cover League 1 and League 2, so we better pick up the pace. With League 1, we start with the Saturday games, of course, with Blackpool 2, Wigan Athletic 1. Kenny Dougal scored an injury-time winner to give Blackpool a Lancashire Derby win over Wigan. Jordan Rhodes handed the host the advantage before Wigan's Josh McGuinness headed Latics level as full-time approached. However, Dougal's injury-time strike secured three points for Neil Critchley's men. Bolton Wanderers 2, Derby County 1. Bolton came from behind to beat 10-man Derby as Tyrese Fauna's own goal completed a miserable afternoon for the Rams. Bolton fell behind when Scott skipper Connor Hurahan's 33rd-minute penalty put the visitors in front after Victor Adeboyejo had hauled down Callum Elder. Two minutes before half-time, referee Charles Breakspear awarded another spot kick, this time for Bolton, after former glover Corey Smith's challenge on another former glover, Josh Sheehan. Northern Ireland international striker Dion Charles converted for his fifth goal in as many goms in as many games, and he's really picked up where he left off last season. Three minutes into the second half, the game took another twist. Substitute Sonny Bradley's mistake saw Derby keeper Joe Wildsmith attempt to rescue the situation, blocking Adboyejo's run, but then handling outside the area as Charles tried to fire home from 20 yards. Wildsmith was sent off, and Josh Vickers, who came on to make his league debut for Derby as his replacement, was beaten in the 65th minute as Josh Dacris Cogley's cross hit Fauna and looped over him. Derby were rather frustrated as claims for another penalty for a tackle on Nathaniel Mendes Lang went unheard as Bolton won for the first time in three league games to move up to third in the table. Bristol Rovers won, Lincoln City won. Bristol Rovers remain without a home win in League One despite clawing back a point against Lincoln in an entertaining one-all draw. Substitute Josh Grant's header in the fourth minute of stoppage time saw the hosts equalise late in the game when the 24-year-old met an Anthony Evans corner. Lincoln took the lead in the 53rd minute through captain Adam Jackson, when he bundled home from close range after keeper Matt Cox was palmed out an Ethan Erahan volley into a crowded area. The, players, uh, the Rovers players claimed that there had been a handball in the build-up when the ball came off Alistair Smith, but referee Lewis Smith disagreed, and Jackson capitalised as the ball broke to him. Burton Albion nil, Exeter City one. Ryan Trevitt scored for the second away game in succession to earn extra a win at 10-man Burton that sent the Grecians top of League One. The Brentford Loney fired home from the edge of the box with 15 minutes remaining to settle a tight clash at the Pirelli. John Brayford almost gave the host the perfect start. His poked effort rattled the extra crossbar inside 90 seconds as Tom Hamer's long throw threatened to catch the visitors cold. Max Crocombe produced excellent saves to deny Dimitri Mitchell and Rhys Cole as Exeter settled, but a goalless first half was largely because of the uh, because of Viljami Sinisalo's crucial save to deny Josh Gordon on the stroke of half-time. Trevitt was denied by the outstretched leg of Crocombe early in the second half as Exeter threatened, and Sinisalo had to produce another good save to deny Brewster substitute Steve Seddon. After Trevitt's opener, Albion's afternoon got worse deep into stoppage time when Seddon saw red for a second yellow card as Burton pushed for an equaliser. Carlisle United 2, Shrewsbury Town 0. Carlisle United picked up their first win of the league season by beating Shrewsbury Town. Substitute Joe Garner's injury time strike added to Tom Bayliss' own goal as the Cumbrians moved out of the relegation zone. 
Charlton Athletic 2, Fleetwood Town 1. Alfie May scored twice as Charlton beat Fleetwood to earn their first three points since the opening day of the season. Both the Addicts, who had placed Jason Pearce in interim charge following the dismissal of Dean Holden last Sunday, and Fleetwood came into the clash at the Valley off the back of four straight League One losses. Former Charlton striker Jaden Stockley opened the scoring in the 16th minute. He'd already hit the underside of the bar with a free kick before he headed Ryan Broom's cross past keeper Harry Eisted. Charlton had struggled to create chances before May levelled in the 43rd minutes. A pass from Wolves' loanee Jem Campbell sent the forward through and he confidently took the ball past Stephen McMullen. The Addicts went in front in the 73rd minute from the penalty spot. Bozen Lowell brought down Corey Blackett-Taylor and May drilled his kicks straight down the middle. May went close to a hat-trick as first he latched on deep uh, Terry Taylor corner, but McMullen denied him and then at full strength just failed to make contact on a Charlie Kirk cross. Not only was it interim charge for Jason Pierce in the uh, Valley dugout or for Charlton, it actually was the final game that Scott Brown would see in charge of Fleetwood as he was sacked Sunday morning. Cheltenham Town nil, Barnsley Two, Devante Cole's sixth goal of the season and a stoppage time Max Waters strike earned Barnsley a win at League One's bottom side, Cheltenham. Cole struck in the 54th minute at the end of a swift counter-attack from the Tykes after Casper Lapata headed away a corner. It was four against one and John McAtee fed Nicky Caden, who in turn set up Cole to slot past Luke Southwood. Waters added the second in the second minute of time added on after Southwood blocked fellow sub Aidan Marsh's effort. Barnsley had goalkeeper Liam Roberts to thank for being on level terms at half-time, as Cheltenham attended to end their long wait for a goal this season. Roberts denied Rob Street at the near post in the 10th minute, and made an even better save to turn Lewis, Lewis Freestone's header over six minutes later. At the other end, Jack Shepard's header hit a post and bounced onto the arms of Southwood just before the break. Cole opened the scoring before Nicky Cadden thumped an effort against the post on the hour. Street forced Roberts into one-handed saves in the 61st minute, and the Robins had now gone more than 10 hours without a goal, with Waters compounding their misery in the final moments. Their latest blank meant Cheltenham, uh, Cheltenham, meant Cheltenham became the first team in the top four tiers to fail to score in their opening six league games since Crystal Palace in the 2017-18 season. Leighton Orient nil. Stevenage 3. Promoted Stevenage continued their fine start to the league campaign as they recorded their fourth win of the campaign after beating last year's League 2 champions Lake Norient at Brisbane Road. Charlie McNeil marked his debut for Borough with the opening goal after 21 minutes. Dan Sweeney doubled the lead on the stroke of half-time and Nick Freeman wrapped up things with 11 minutes to go. However, it should have been Orient who drew first blood when Rule Sotteroo fired against the crossbar, with only the keeper to beat after six minutes. Instead, it was teenager McNeil, signed on loan from Manchester United on deadline day, who opened the scoring when he met a free kick from Dan Butler to steer the ball past Sol Brin. The visitors extended their advantage from their fifth corner of the game when Butler's cross was headed home, Sweeney at home from Sweeney, and from there on Borough boss the game. Stevenage keeper Tay Ashby Hammond had few concerns, although he was at full stretch to deny a Theo Archibald effort. Borough then ensured the points would be heading home with them when they notched a superb third goal, with Freeman volleying the ball into the roof of the net from 25 yards. Let's have another interview now, and I think it's only appropriate that we listen to the ever-entertaining Steve Evans of Stevenage. Steve, that must be a performance that rates up amongst the highest since you've been here. 
yeah, I thought the boys were excellent. You know, we've we've come to Leighton Orient. The atmosphere's been tremendous. You know, all set supporters. I care about Earth more than anything. So they've travelled in big numbers. Leighton Orient supporters always turn up here and get right behind Richie and his team. So we were playing a very good team. Some real talent when you look at Archibald and Graham and you know, and that they're, they're just blessed with it. But we come, we had a game plan. We worked on it for a couple of days. And we knew we could affect it in certain areas. And I think we did, and I think possibly with a little bit of care and attention, we could probably win more. Early scare that you had to suffer though when they hit the crossbar, but it seemed to waken the team up. Yeah, I think it comes from new players. We didn't set up right in the way that we organised them on the training ground. So we switched off a little bit. We didn't get switched on individually. So they broke on us. That allowed that. You can see we come off the bench and rattled one or two years about what they should be doing. And one thing we've got, we've got a team spirit that's incredible. It doesn't matter who comes in, and we've brought a few in. So it doesn't matter about that. It doesn't matter who's training and getting treatment this morning. We're as, we're as winning. I said pre-game, we win, we lose, and we draw together. But every every week, we've learned lots today about individuals. So we continue to learn and be humble and respectful of all opponents. Charlie McNeil, it's almost a dream start for him. I thought his movement in the first half was, was fantastic. In fairness to the two late in Orient boys, they've done well to find out where he was after about half an hour because he was running them ragged into different gear areas. He gets a goal. And I said to him at half-time, I bet you've never had to work as hard as that as a striker for a team. And he just looked at me and smiled. We knew what the answer was. So we knew if we got 60 minutes out of him today, that'd be an incredible shift from a young man that's that's literally joined us and, and got on the coach and we, we gave him a debut. Because, because of circumstances with players and unavailability and injuries, we've we've had to come to do and, and come up with a team that could, we could compete to win. Dan Sweeney has had to put up with quite a bit since, uh, with his injury and everything. It was nice to see him on the score sheet. I think it's testament to Dan, um, what he did when he was injured. He is, you know, he came back looking more like me than Dan Sweeney. Um, but it's fair to say he went to work with Matty, with Reigns and Revs, and he has been relentless. He's been incredible. He said when he comes back, he'll be fit as he's ever been. His weight, his body fats, everything's incredible about the boy. And more importantly, you know, as a man, he's a, he's a good man. But I thought his performance today was was really, really commanding out against a, a really good attack inside in Leighton Orient. And then, of course, the uh, the winner from Nick Freeman, his debut Stevenage goal. That's a nice way to open your account. Yeah, I think Nick's had a, a lot of frustrating time for us. And he got some goals in pre-season. We were working him hard to get him back up to a fitness because he wasn't getting a lot of game time at the end at, at Wickham. And in this period when he's been out injured, again, the, the same regime that, that Big Sweeney has been under, he's gone to work hard. It's testament to him, he lasts as late as he does today. And in fairness to him, he, he does that regular in training when, he, when we've seen him fully fit. Mm. And when the ball fell to him and he put it out of his feet, I knew it was going to be hitting the target. I didn't know it would be as accurate, as missile-like as it was. Do you feel a bit of relief now with the players that you've got, you managed to pick up yesterday? Um, you've got some squad now to move forward with. Yeah, I think we just need we need the treatment room to be a little bit kind to us. It's, it's been a hindrance all season. Our young physio is is I've never seen someone work more hours than a what's cat, but he's certainly up there. He's he's been incredible, Matty. And um, so if we look at who we've got, but we look at who we bring in. Yesterday we tried to to affect it in a in a positive way. Um, listen, huge huge credit to Leon Hunter. Ultimately, huge, huge credit to the chairman, to Stuart and the board. They've been absolutely fantastic. Everything I've asked them to do, everything, 
you know, people thought we were bonkers selling Marchie and he's a great kid. Um, but we done our business right there, Marchie went out and that allowed us then to, to do something with Harvey. So we, we've got Kane in the building who's, who's just a fantastic striker. The fans, I love watching him. Um, we've got the young boy in from Manchester United and, and he'll score goals. I believe he'll score goals. The staff at Man United and, and including the manager at the first team think really highly of him. I had two chats with him earlier in the week. And they said, wow, League One, League One is going to be good for them, especially the way we play, because they do the homework as well. And um, and then to, to bring young Harvey into the building as a player that I think everyone from Stevenage's point of view has seen him many times play the line next for Tottenham under-21s. And uh, I've certainly seen him in, in his league career as well. He's briefly clear, but he's, he's ready to come in and play a part. So we are getting a little bit stronger. But again, I am very humble and acknowledge and thank my, my chairman and the board. Enjoy a bottle of red tonight. I have a glass of red, but we're we're very mindful that we have a, a game on Tuesday. I've just said to the players, we'll make wholesale changes for Tuesday. We've got players that cannot play at that intensity Saturday, Tuesday, when we're principally the same the same 14, 15 players. But with Kane coming into the building, we're young, uh, Charlie coming into the building, we're Harvey coming into the building, fit, really fit, rearing to go. Um, Henderson back, we were able to, you know, if we were struggling in the game today, Anderson would have been introduced in 45, 50 minutes. He's he's chomping at the bit to go. We got half an hour into the estate, it was knee sharpest, but he worked incredibly hard for the team. So we're uh, we're getting there. We just need some players now to get to get minutes and we'll we'll use the the Papa John's for, for like that. Well done today, Steve. Northampton Town nil, Wickham Wanderers one. Richard Keogh scored the only goal of the game as Wickham beat Northampton. The decisive moment of the contest came after just five minutes when goalkeeper Max Thompson fumbled Luke Leahy's free kick and the ball was forced over the line by veteran Keogh. The home side did respond well to that early setback as Patrick Brough side-footed wide and former glover Sam Hoskins went close with a couple of efforts before Sam Shering headed over but eventually Wickham held on for the win. Oxford United 1, Port Vale 2. It's almost as if me hyping up how well Oxford have done was immediately to their detriment. Alfie Devine converted a penalty deep into stoppage time to give Port Vale a victory at Oxford United, who had two players sent off in a mad second half. Devine fired the spot kick past Jane Beadle in the ninth minute of time added on, after Elliot Moore had fouled Ben Garrity. Oxford striker Mark Harris was shown a straight red card in the 63rd minute following an off-the-ball clash with Vale captain Nathan Smith. No, not the one that used to play for the Oval. Alex Iokovici then headed the visitors in front in the 74th minute, glancing home from Devine's free kick. Greg Lee equalised at the far post three minutes into stoppage time, firing high into the net when Stan Mills' cross reached him at the far post. However, left-back Lee's delight turned to despair moments later when he was shown a second yellow card for a trip. On loan, Tottenham Mandeveen then stroke all three points to move the Valiants up to fourth in the table. Oxford, who were bidding for a fifth successive victory, were below their best on a warm afternoon, but Vale keeper Connor Ripley produced good saves from Billy Bowden, Cameron Brannigan and Tyler Goodrum before Harris's red card sparked the frantic finale. And finally, Portsmouth 3, Peterborough United 1. Colby Bishop was among the goals as Portsmouth took revenge for their midweek Carabao Cup exit at the hands of Peterborough. The Bosch took the lead after 20 minutes, as with plenty of room and only one defeater to beat, Ricky J. Jones cut inside and called the ball into the far corner. 
Pompey equalised in the 38th minute when a Marlon pack cross found Bishop to head home from close range. Within five minutes, the home side had the lead. A corner from the right saw Kwame Poku slice the ball into his own six-yard box for a surprised Abu Kamara to swipe home. After, Pompey midf- uh, after Peterborough midfielder sorry, Hector Kiprianu headed against his own bar, Pompey stretched their advantage on 59 minutes when a powerful low cross from Kamara saw Regan Poole net from close range. Joe Morrell saw red for the home side after a second yellow five minutes from time, but John Massinho's men held on for the points. So, six games played for many teams in League One now. How is the table shaping up? Well, there is actually two points separating the top seven, and the top nine is separated by only one win. But, top of the tree, six games played, goal difference of six, and 13 points collected is Exeter City. Second place sit Bolton Wanderers, also on 13 points, alongside Stevenage and Port Vale. It, uh, rounding out the playoff spots, both with 12 points apiece, see Portsmouth and Oxford United. On 11 points, we have Lincoln City in the 7th, and Barnsley and Wickham round out the uh, top relative top half with 10 points apiece. Uh, Derby have dropped to 10th, as have Cambridge United, all on 9 points, alongside uh, Blackpool, Peterborough and Shrewsbury. At the wrong end of the table, two, uh, three teams are yet to pick up a win this season. They are Cheltenham, bottom of the league, with still not scoring a point, a goal this season. Uh, Fleetwood Town, now managerless, also on a single point. Burton on two points. And, of course, Wigan with two points, although they are in a slightly better playing position. But just before we move on to League Two, we just want to have a little word about the wonders of Three Valleys Radio. Yes, I know you are well aware of the many wonderful things on here that isn't just limited to my particular fantastic comment, uh, content here at the EFL Review. We've got plenty of music to listen to throughout the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week on your local radio station. But of course, what you might be more interested in, of course, is the football. Yes, many of us are of a yeovil persuasion, but we actually have the pleasure of having listeners from all around the world. What you can't necessarily then do if you're a listener from around the world is listen to the great pros programmes available on Three Valleys Radio at any one point. So... This is why the whole of Three Valleys Radio, of course, has gone into podcast form. This is fantastic programmes such as Monkey Business, if you're more of a music fan, Football Bloody Hell, where I occasionally make uh, an appearance and mainly talk the wonders of football finance. Of course, the EFL review will be there every time you want to listen to it, not to mention also on Spotify, plus plenty of other fantastic programmes, mainly football, but also some particularly great stuff in cricket and racing as well. So, if you want to listen to any of the fantastic programmes available on Three Valleys Radio, whenever you like, make sure you tune into threevalleysradio.com, click the podcast button and listen away. So, we will move on to League Two now, and I know we're approaching close to the hour, so I think we'll have a slightly longer special, because there's plenty for us still to talk about in League Two. We shall start with Tramia Rovers nil, Wrexham one. Aaron Hayden's second half goal and Wrexham victory against Tranmere Rovers in League Two at Prenton Park. The visitors dominated the first half but could not find a breakthrough, Luke McGee deniving Sam Dolby from point-blank range to keep the score goalless. The deadlock was finally broken on 56 minutes when Hayden met Tom O'Connor's corner to head Wrexham in front. 
Sam Taylor came closest to finding an equaliser for the hosts, but Mark Howard tipped his effort over the bar in his first appearance since Ben Foster's retirement. A first away win for the season moves Wrexham up to 8th in League 2 before all the Saturday's 3 o'clock kickoffs. Yes, this was a lunchtime game. A fifth defeat from six league games sees Tranmere slip to 22nd, outside the relegation zone on goal difference. Crew Alexander 3, McDonald's 1. League 2 leaders McDonald's were stunned by a second half comeback from Crew, who ran out winners at Gresty Road. Jonathan Laco fired to Graham Alexander's side ahead early on, and MK Dons exerted a tight grip on the ground in the first half. But after the break, the Railwomen's bright attacking work helped by the introduction of Shiloh Tracy, turned the game around with goals from Connor Thomas, Courtney Baker-Richardson and Chris Long, earning Lee Bell's side a second success of the campaign. What wasn't quite as successful? Doncaster Rovers nil, Swindon Town nil. Doncaster Rovers had a man sent off but held on valiantly for a goalless draw with inform Swindon. Doncaster, bottom of League 2, battled on after Tommy Rowe had been shown a straight red card just before half-time. The home side had enjoyed the better of the opening exchanges with George Broadbent's low drive forcing Murphy Mahoney into a smart save before the Swindon keeper almost so denied Zane Westbrook. Rowe then fired a shot narrowly over the crossbar after latching onto a loose ball inside the box. Swindon, though, grew into the game with Charlie Austin and Udoka Goodwin-Malife both going close with headers. The key moment came in the first half stoppage time when Rowe was dismissed for a high challenge on Swindon midfielder George McEachern. Swindon looked to make the most of their advantage and Austin's low drive forced a fine save from Rovers keeper Ian Lawler. Doncaster though remained in the game and striker Joe Ironside brought an excellent stop from Mahoney as both sides had to settle for a point. Grimsby Town 2, Gillingham 0. Grimsby produced a clinical display to beat Gillingham in their match at Blundell Park. First half goals from Neil Maher and Gavin Holohan put the hosts in full control, which proved enough to consign Gillingham to their second successive league defeat. Harrogate Town 0, Barrow 1. Harrogate-born midfielder Kean Spence scored the only goal for Barrow in a win against his hometown team. The Bluebirds had not won any of their past 13 trips to Harrogate, but Spence's spectacular first-half strike sealed maximum points, with goalkeeper Paul Farman saving Jack Muldoon's penalty for the hosts after the break. Spence, recruited in the summer from National League side Halifax, scored his second goal of the season in the 21st minutes when he let fly with a 25-yard diagonal drive that whistled inside home goalkeeper Mark Oxley's right-hand post, something that he said an awful lot on Wednesday when I had the pleasure of watching him get thumped 8-0 by Blackburn. Pleasure? Is that the right word? No, no it isn't. Never mind. Mansfield Town nil, Bradford City nil. Mansfield remain unbeaten in all competitions after a dour draw at home against Bradford. The poor first half saw the Bantams edge possession, but neither goal uh, keeper had to save to make. Christy Pym had firmly, uh, was firmly behind a low shot, however, by Clark O'Dour after 17 minutes for a routine stop. But it took a fine last-ditch tackle by Lewis Brunt just before that to stop Tyler Smith pulling the trigger six yards out as Mansfield struggled to clear a corner. Very little else really happened inside this match, and rarely a draw was probably about fair. Morecambe 1, Salford City 0. A first-half goal from Michael Mellon gave Morecambe three points against a Salford side reduced to ten men in added time. The on-loan Burnley striker earned the points with a fine near-post finish from Adam Mayer's left-wing cross after the Shrimps 
won the ball in midfield and attacked sharply. Salford started the game well, with Conor McElhenney forcing Stuart Moore into an early save. From there, they rarely troubled the Morecambe defence, who looked solid throughout. The Shrimps always looked dangerous on the counter, with JJ McKiernan going close, and Jordan Slew seeing a golden chance to add a second. On 86 minutes, go begging, when he shot straight at Alex Cairns from another dangerous Mayer cross. The Ami's frustration came out in added time, when an experienced substitute Matthew Lund was shown a straight red card for a kick-out. Newport County 2, AFC Wimbledon 2. Newport County fought back from two down to earn a home draw against AFC Wimbledon. Former Glover James Tilly scored his sixth goal of the season after nine minutes to put the visitors ahead before netting his second on the half-hour mark. Will Evans, back from injury, scored in first half stoppage time to half the deficit and Omar Bogle levelled ten minutes into the second half. Tilly almost had a hat-trick late on but instead hit the side netting. Both teams remain in the lead two playoff places, Wimbledon in fifth and Newport in sixth, as they each continued their positive starts to the season and proving many bookies absolutely wrong. Notts County 3, Accrington Stanley 1. Macaulay Longstaff's second half double made it three wins in a row for Notts County as they beat Accrington at Meadow Lane to climb to the top of League 2. Luke Williams' side took the lead when Jody Jones' inviting delivery found Dan Crowley at the back post to give the host a deserved lead. However, the visitors levelled in the 27th minute when Josh Andrews directed Sean Wally's free kick over the head of Aidan Stone. The ongoing battle between Andrews and Stone continued as the Notts County keeper produced a brilliant save down low before the break. Langstaff was denied twice in quick succession early in the second half, but found the telling touch in the 65th minute twisting and turning inside the area before finding a sublime effort in off the post. Goalkeeper Stone almost gifted the visitors an equaliser with a poor pass into midfield. However, Liam Coyle was unable to take advantage. The host sealed the points in the final minute of normal time when Langstaff beat the offside trap before finishing delicately over Toby Savin. With that, we'll have another interview and let's listen to now table-topping manager Luke Williams. Well, I think they created really good chances and I think... um... Aidan Stone got man of the match, and that, that tells you everything. You know, we, we score three goals, but the goalkeeper gets man of the match, so that tells you that, you know, it was tough, and they created really good chances, and he, he made brilliant saves. I guess with about 10 minutes to go, Accrington was sort of starting to get in, into it a little bit more, but from that moment on, they didn't really have a chance. That was just because of the goalkeeper, but everybody just sort of defending as a team really well. Uh, uh, that, that's the thing that I loved about the performance, because I'm exhausted, but the players just... Can, they're able to to be tough when they need to be tough, and and that has that's made me feel very very happy. Honestly, that group of players. The I think in the first half um, after the goal, they weren't tough enough. There was one or two actions that I think they didn't fully commit to to make a tackle or didn't fully commit on the first and first and second ball. Um, but as usual, you ask for more and you get more, and and then they showed their toughness and they're able then to control the game a bit more maybe but it was just very very difficult throughout the whole game they were a brilliant team Is that what you said at half time then because there was a step up in the second half from the first half which you know, in itself was good Yeah but I thought we started well um, but even from, from the early stages I think we score I don't know it's early seven. seven minutes but inside that seven minutes I think they flashed the ball across the box a couple of times and it wasn't so comfortable um, so when when we scored, we needed to like really then show that we can 
understand the opposition can have a reaction and we, we need to show that we can match that and then maybe we can go in 1-0 up and then you have a chance the game is different in the second half if you do that but we didn't we became uh, more passive after the goal and um, then we suffered for that and so that was the main message at half time and of course the players are brilliant so they, they, they do everything that they should do at the other end, you've scored three goals against a side who haven't conceded more than one goal in the game so far this season. So how, how good does that feel? Well, I'm not surprised that they haven't because they're they're very very good defensively. They're a very organised team and very committed players, tough players. Um, but we have McCauley, Langstaff, and um, he scored two brilliant goals. Um, and then the first goal, he's excellent as well. And uh, like that, you you can play in a really close game and win because you have excellent players that put the ball in the net. Definitely a word on McCauley. He's probably had two or three injuries sort of on the go and then he goes and scores. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because he's a, he's a warrior. And uh, as much as we yeah we love the goals, of course, but he, he's so tough and uh, now the window is shut and can talk how good he is. So it's great. <laughs> uh, a quick word on transfers. Of course, the window shut yesterday. Are you happy with everything that you've got now? Yeah, I think um, of course we we want uh, more players fit because we have we have Badge and Kevin out, which is a is a difficult. But we still have enough bodies in the building that of the right quality and the right guys that we can still compete. Top of the league now, Luke. Does that mean anything to you at this point? No, it doesn't mean anything. I, only it's nice because the fans can sing. So I love that. <laughs> fans are great, weren't they? Oh, they, they are. I think. Really, I think that between them, the goalkeeper and, and Maka probably was like just a force of nature that <laughs> was unstoppable today. And, and like honestly, all, all the boys were, were excellent. I'm so happy with them all, the way that they uh, commit themselves to, the, to a, such a tough game. But yeah, the fans were immense. Another corker for us now. Stockport County 3, Crawley Town. Three. Stockport substitute Isaac Alofe scored late to earn Stockport a draw as they were at home against Crawley. Alofe slotted home from the tightest of angles to deny the visitors who had come from 2-0 down to lead 3-2. Stockport went ahead in the 13th minute when Nick Powell found Louis Barry, who turned inside a defender before lashing home superbly into the top corner from 20 yards. It was almost two when skipper and former glover Paddy Madden met Ryan Rydell's deep cross, only to head straight at Corey Adai. Stockport did get their second in the 36th minute when Madden played in Anthony Stasevich, and their early substitute produced a sublime chipped finish to beat Adai. Crawley half the deficit three minutes before the interval when Will Wright crossed for Adam Campbell, who volleyed in off the post. The visitors made it 2 all nine minutes into the second half when debutant Lawrence Maguire, yes, that is the brother of Harry Maguire, volleyed home Liam Kelly's in-swinging cross. Crawley completed the turnaround in the 65th minute when Danilo Orsi pounced on a defensive mix-up before slotting home. However, Alofi levelled when he met Joe Cottrell's 89th minute through ball and coolly slotted underneath Joel Adai. Not Joel Adai, Corey Adai. Apologies. Walsall 1, Colchester United 0. Isaac Hutchinson's 25-yard screamer condemned Colchester to a fourth defeat in their opening five League 2 games and gave Walsall a deserved win. 
The Saddlers were on top throughout, and Jamil Matt's looping header forcing an early flying save from Colchester keeper Owen Goodman, before Hutchinson curled just wide from 18 yards. Freddie Draper's a spectacular overhead kick fizzed inches wide before the offside flag denied Warsaw an early opener. In the second half, when Donovan Daniels glanced in a former Glover Tom Knowles's free kick. However, Warsaw took a 65th minute lead when their dominance deserved as Hutchinson's rocket from distance flew into the top corner despite a diving Goodman getting fingertips to it. And finally, Sutton United nil, Forest Green Rovers. One. Forest Green sealed an impressive victory at Sutton after Harvey Bunker's second-half goal consigned the hosts to a fifth consecutive league defeat. The best effort in a scrappy first-half hour came from Green's Matty Taylor, whose shot was beaten away by Jack Rose, while Taylor also had the ball in the net only to be denied by the offside flag. For Sutton, Aidan O'Brien only rolled a shot just wide from Harry Smith's knockdown, but Forrest Green ended the half on top as Charlie McCann finished a strong run with a low shot which was pushed away by Rose, who also saved from Taylor's volley. Joe Kizzy shot wide after Sutton's best move of the game, but Rose remained the busier keeper after the restart, saving well from Kyle McAllister. However, he was beaten in the Rovers' next attack, and McAllister set up Bunker to score with a low shot from 18 yards. The visitors might have scored a second when Tyrese Amote headed just over from Jamie Robson. With that in mind, though, let's listen to Forest Green boss George Horseman. David, if every game is like that, there'll be a few grey hairs at the end of the season, won't there? But what a victory here at Sutton United. Yeah, it's brilliant. I've already got a patch on top of my head, but that was before I joined Forest Green, so I'm sure I'll get a few more. I, I think it was an exciting game. I think it was two teams that went toe-to-toe with each other and they played different styles, but were good at, at the styles and... Uh, we deserved our 1-0 win today. Probably we should have scored a couple more, but we definitely deserved that victory today, I think. You spoke about the physical challenge, and that's twice now in two weeks where everyone's really stood up to that, haven't they? Yeah, I think I think the Newport game probably hurt a few pride, uh, a few people's prides, and um, probably it was the one where we looked and thought, you know, a couple of long balls and a cross into the box, finished the game off, and, and, and the boys are really good. They're a really honest group. They... They were really hurt by that, and I'm sure obviously the fans and the whole club were. So they, they've stood up to like two real physical tests um, and actually got better and better. And, and the more the more we face it, the better we're getting. We work on it every every week, and the players deserve all the credit for today because um, it's all right talking about and practicing it, but to deliver it under pressure, um, I think they, they've been absolute credit to themselves and the club. You speak about pride, and just a couple of weeks ago, Harvey Bunker was sent off against Swindon, and it proved costly, didn't it? But today, shows how you can bounce back, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it sums up football, the ups and downs of football. Are incredible. One week you're the villain, the next minute you're the hero. And um, yeah, his goal, he took it really well. He actually had a shot blocked, almost very similar two minutes before. So um, yeah, really delighted for him. Obviously, he's an academy boy, so it's brilliant for the whole club. And he did some of the other stuff today, like headed in front of Smith and the ugly parts of the game so he deserves he deserves a lot of credit for the character he's shown it was the first start together today for, for Matty Taylor and Troy Deeney an experienced front two and they really showed bits of what they can do together yeah I thought they grew and grew and, and I spoke to Troy after the game last week and he said I could get 50% better and I thought as the game went on he found space you see his quality I thought Matty's running off the shoulder the Lysman actually got a couple wrong Matty's in he got the goal 
right, it was just offside, but there was a couple others, and I think you could see the more they would play together, the more they would be a, a handful for any team in this league. And we know the right side of the defence, what that can do with Don Bernard and Ryan Innes, two experienced operators, but just a word for the two on the left, because Reese Welch and Jamie Robertson have had a couple of outstanding games now, haven't they? Yeah, and they, they probably, I would imagine teams have, in their pre-match, probably target them, because we've got a small left-back and a young centre-back, and I think Reese has shown now back-to-back -back games that he's growing and getting better, and I think that helps with Luke behind him and Ryan inside him. And then Robbo, Robbo really has stood up, because I know there was a few people that have questioned, you know, a few crosses coming in his side early in the season and some goals, and, yeah, listen, I think probably what he showed is huge character to... Um, to, to show people what he's like as a defender, but also first half he showed probably an outlet going forward. So um, he had a uh, he had a second really positive game I think today. What's the update on Nathan Holland at the moment? Um, so it's it's a hamstring. We hope it's just tightened up. We hope um, we'll have a look. It'll be in tomorrow, Monday. We'll have a look. Hopefully it's not too bad, but obviously it's not our luck at the moment. So. Um, So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll review him and hopefully it's not too bad, but it's our luck at the moment. We're really enjoying life on the road at the minute, but it's three home games in a row next up, isn't it? And I suppose it's all about translating that away form back to the new law. Yeah, exactly that. And listen, wins are wins, home or away. Um, but what this will do is give us the confidence. That's now back to back without being defeated, a draw, a tough place, Wimbledon, a win at a tough place here. So, um, yeah, let's let's go Tuesday night. There'll be a lot of changes, so there'll be people that we do need to get game time. And obviously, especially with the injuries we got at the moment, I can't afford to risk any more. But we'll put out a team to try and win. And then our crew next week, we need to be all guns blazing, but really smart and tactically bright. I would like to apologise unrelentingly there. I realise I've said George Horseman. His name is David Horseman. Never mind. Right, let's take a look at the League 2 table just before we go. All teams have now played six matches. Top of the table, 13 points out of a possible 18. Sit Notts County. Two teams on 12 points apiece, but both of them losing this weekend in the form of MK Dons and Gillingham. The playoffs are taking up by one team with 11 points in 4th place Barrow and three teams with 10. They are AFC Wimbledon, Newport County and Mansfield. Just missing out on goal difference but also on 10 points are Accrington Stanley and Morecambe. At the wrong end of the table, to, uh, Doncaster Rovers still looking for their first win. Rock bottom with two points. Three teams on three points each. Sutton United in 23rd with a goal difference of minus four. But only just outside are also Colchester and Tranmere Rovers. So, with that in mind, that brings us to the end of this week's EFL review. I certainly hope you've enjoyed it. We will be back next week to take a look at League One and League Two, as the Championship will be on an international break. Until then, though, I hope you have a lovely rest of your week. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.